Hello and welcome to the Financial Success Podcast or show. I guess we haven't really named it properly yet. <laughs> I'm uh, your host, the president of Blackthorn, uh, Jeff Eady. Joining me is my always lovely, intelligent, and oh, sorry, that's the wrong co-host. Uh, my friendly and wonderful co-host, <laughs> Mr. Kirk Forsyth, the manager of client relations here at, at uh, Blackthorn. Kirk, how's it going today, buddy? Not too bad, brother. Not Good. too bad. Good. Thanks What's for having me. <laughs> I don't really have well, a choice. Yeah, I really don't. <laughs> I should, now that I think about it. So what, uh, what's the topic today? What are we throwing down? The topic of today is real estate investments and how RRSPs can relate to real estate. Okay. So you really busted out the easy ones for me today, huh? Uh, well, I know real estate is um, your pride and joy and your go-to and you love it. So I figured let's talk real estate. Awesome. Awesome. So oh, fire away. Well, let's I'll get right into this up. thing. <laughs> you already had your boxing training this morning, so <laughs> it should be okay. Um, our first question, excuse me, my first question, I guess, would be, what is something to look for when you look for a investment property? That's uh, money. <laughs> money. Well, <laughs> let me kind of rephrase uh, that question. When you go into a city and you're looking for an investment property, you got some coin to spend. What are some things you look for in that city that make that investment so um, so prime and so valuable? Number one thing uh, is jobs. Jobs. Yeah, actually not what you would normally think no, when you're talking about property. I was property. not <laughs> thinking about jobs whatsoever. I was thinking about, you know, is there a shopping mall nearby? Is, you know, everybody friendly, the people there? Like, that's kind of what I was thinking. I wasn't thinking jobs at all. No, um, well, you know, a few years back, I worked with George Ross, uh, the um, executive vice president of the Trump organization. Um, yes. He was a, a mentor of mine and, and still is. Uh, I still read his books and, and all those things to to understand what he really looked for in, in a Trump-style investment. Mm -hmm. I know that's a bad word nowadays, and, and it really divides people, but that's got the politics of it has nothing to do with it. The fact that I could sit across the table from a, a, a multi billionaire i'm pretty sure he's in that category oh, yeah and really pick his brain number one thing he said to me is jeff when you're looking for a real estate investment look for a place where there's job growth because people need a place to live if they got a job so if the jobs are going up people are going to want to move there to, to have a place to live right so it's pretty simple so i'm going to use the gta then as kind of a reference so i live in burlington for those of you out there. And then there's Hamilton, right across the bridge there. People mm -hmm. have said, oh, invest in Hamilton, lower income housing, <coughs> it's cheaper, it's better. Or I've heard the opposite be like, oh no, go invest in Toronto. It's a multi-billion dollar market over there or million and it's just business is booming over there. Why not invest in Toronto? Well, here's the thing. You gotta really uh, divvy it up into what you're looking for as an investor. Uh, a lot of times the number one thing I find with people is that they're looking for cash flow. Um, if you're looking for cash flow, yeah, stay out of the GTA. <laughs> uh, it's it's next to impossible to cash flow right Why now. Why is that? Uh, it's just it's such an expensive market. There's massive amounts of artificial value uh, in the single family home market. But isn't that um, what you want? You want to spend no, you a lot want... of money to make a lot of money, right? Because you know a lot uh, of people are reselling homes fallacy. out there. That's a fallacy. Um, spending a lot of money to make a little bit of money is not a good business plan. Um, people talk about cap rates and all that stuff, but I mean. <clears throat> I, I, I know a few friends who are in condos right now, um, buying them. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the Toronto market's bad. I'm just saying that you got to really know what you're looking for. 
um, they they own condos and they're actually throwing in a hundred or two hundred bucks a month to make that mortgage work and the bills and all that stuff. Uh, their tenants aren't covering their their TMI, their taxes, mortgage, and insurance. And if you've got a property that you're putting in two three hundred a year, uh, sorry a month, that's that's a liability. It's not an asset. If it costs you money, it's a liability. We go back to this all the time: the rich dad, poor dad, the the cash yes, flow chart, yes. all of that stuff. Yep. But the bottom line is, if you're looking for a, a cash flow property, you got to be in a place where the properties are cheap, and you can either buy it outright or you can buy it with a super low mortgage. So um, one of the things we do at Blackthorn is Detroit. Love Detroit. Why do we love Detroit? Detroit's cheap. Well, it was. I've been to Detroit and. I can understand cheap. <laughs> uh, no, no. Um, I love Detroit as a city. Um, oh, it was a great I think city. I went down to watch the Tigers game. It was the a great city. The architecture is beautiful. Yeah, it is. Uh, actually, I love American architecture. They're, it's kind of like old, old America. Yeah. Right. Yeah, when you go down there, around like yeah. the twenties, the you know, kind of in between the two world wars, you get those beautiful yeah. um, uh, cement style buildings. Like I just, I love that stuff. Yeah. But Detroit's gone through a real rebirth. <laughs> Um, a lot of people were looking at it a few years ago saying, oh, it's crashed and it's bankrupt and all those things. But they're not seeing what's what's happened there. So <clears throat> when you look at um, investing in a particular property, there's lots of things to look for. But when you're looking for an area, uh, there's some, some major things you want to look for. One is the economic growth, the job factor. And it can't be just one place for jobs. That's the thing. Like if uh, a Ford plant was going to open up in Brampton tomorrow and they're gonna add 2,000 new jobs, awesome. Great right, time, yeah. make hay while the sun is shining. Yep. But what if Ford closes down? What if they, you know, what if it's a, a, a pop-up manufacturing, right, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. And all of a sudden they close the doors five years later and you're stuck holding the bag because all those jobs are gone, those people are gone. Right. So you wanna look at diversity in the job market? I was just gonna say that. Yeah, okay. uh, Detroit's really done a great job of that. Um, in 2017, the last stat I looked at was up until uh, September of 2017. In that, uh, what, three quarters of the calendar year, they added, uh, what was it, 17,000 new jobs? Wow, that's yeah. a lot of new jobs. That's crazy, yeah, and and there was no sign of slowing down. They've done a great job of, of bringing it back around. Um, the mayor of Detroit, um, Gosh, for the, the life of me, I just cannot remember his name right now. But he won uh, his second term election back in October landslide. It was like 80 plus percent of the popular vote voted him back in because he's done such a great job with it. Uh, Dan Gilbert from Quicken Loans uh, bought 91 skyscrapers in downtown wow. Detroit. In fact, uh, one of the stories that I've heard, and I don't know how <laughs> true it is, but he bought a parking lot and they gave him the building next to it just because. Just because it was yeah. there. Wow, that's great. <laughs> <clears throat> But um, there's a, a shift happening there that we don't have happening in Toronto. Toronto went through the shift probably 10 years ago, maybe a little more, um, where everybody started to want to live downtown. Yes. And, and I've really seen the shift uh, happen downtown. All the old bars are gone. All the old clubs are gone. Um, everything, every spot where they can put condos is now being uh, eaten up. And, and there's a lot of great things that happen with that. And there's a lot of bad things that are happening with that. With that, it's driving up the uh, the price per square foot in Toronto. And last I heard from my good buddy, uh, who's a, a pre-construction condo expert, that Toronto, the market's not responding the way that um, they were hoping it would. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, we're up to about $1,200 a square foot for condos in Toronto. Hmm. And the market's saying, no, we don't, we don't want to pay that right now. Yeah. Now, 
I'm kind of jumping all over the place That's here. Okay. But um, when you look at Toronto compared to New York or Paris or London or anything, like we're totally undervalued. But the Toronto challenge or, or problem, and you know, I don't use that. They want to be lightly. like those other cities. Well, they want to be like those other cities, but we rose so far so fast. Um, we only really became, in my opinion, just my opinion, a world-class city during the Mel Lastman um, era of, of Toronto. So back in like 2001, 2002, yeah. he started pitching for the Olympics, and people started really paying attention to us. Oh, yeah. I mean, we have the 2026 World Cup coming here. I had no idea. We um, do. Yep. Don't care about soccer, but... Oh. Uh, <laughs> Croatia just won, just, just in case me. you guys just are me. wondering. Uh, <laughs> not my sport. Not enough contact <coughs> for me. Oh, uh, see, I am a fellow soccer player. I played for the under-21s, and oof, there's a lot of contact. I have four like concussions. guys to me. Oh, um, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not trying to upset uh, soccer players. I don't want to get into a sports discussion because I Careful. Am, you're sitting in a room with two soccer guys. I, I am very unarmed when it comes to a, uh, a battle of wits when it comes to sports. <laughs> so... <laughs> I uh, my I have my my one or two sports that I play and that's about it. But um, the market itself, we're not there yet. We rose very fast, very quickly, uh, very very high, very fast. Um, I mean, three years ago we were looking at seven hundred dollars a square foot. It's almost doubled in price per square foot for wow. a condo in Toronto in three years. That's, I get it. We should be at you know two thousand dollars a square foot. But to double in three years is too far too fast. Yeah. So <clears throat> I'll tell you, um, this is just my opinion. That's fine. Let's hear it. And I'm not alone. Let's hear it. Um, we're heading for the correction uh, here in the GTA. <laughs> I love how you do that correction. Well, the quotations. I don't want to call it the bubble because they've been calling it a bubble for a decade. I've heard of this. It's not going to burst. Long term, Toronto's got no problems but what goes up must come down eventually well that's it it's it's a market and and the market is driven by psychology right it is so what people want is what the market does so a few years ago three four years ago um people started seeing and like here's i'm gonna jump around again here's the crazy <laughs> thing did you know in 2008 you could buy a house in the gta with nothing down i had no idea i did not know you could do that yeah yeah but he's really cool. uh, a friend of mine oh, i wish he could do that now yeah right um, a friend of mine got started his, his RTO business. He left the banks. Him and his wife became a realtor and a mortgage agent. They started a rent-to-own business, and, and they did it with no money down because it was just that open at that time. So we saw that major correction. In this, yeah. And the cycles of the market are about 13 years. If you really look at the, the long-term chart. Yeah, well, that's, that's the thing, right? Um, and history does repeat itself. Always. Always. So. And if we don't learn from it, we're doomed to repeat it. Exactly. Um, but that that combined factor of you're going to qualify for less of a mortgage, all the homes are coming on at the same time, and the baby boomers are dumping their homes at the same time. See, they're not thinking the same things that the younger families are thinking. The younger families are thinking, I want to stay in my home. I want to be able to afford this place. Yeah. I want to live downtown, convenience, how to pay a premium blah, blah, for blah, it, blah, blah, blah. all those and things. And, and all the older, the, the, the people, that are the baby boomers that are downsizing are thinking, well, it's a good time to get out of the market. Uh, I'd like to go somewhere else. Don't really care. I bought my home for thirty grand back in the seventies. Now it's worth a million dollars. I'm good. They don't care what the markets, the dips, and and all yeah. that stuff. So all these homes are going to come on the market at the same time, and and I'm afraid of what's going to happen is people are are it, 
If I can want, give one piece of advice during this time that's coming, is don't be stubborn and don't be stupid. If you need to downsize your home, downsize your home. Like, it, it, really, it's that simple. If you can't yeah. afford it, if you can't get people are stubborn though. People don't go it. to the private market. But people will. They're going to lose their homes because of that. That stubbornness and that unwillingness to, to let go of a home because you get emotionally attached to it and you want to stay there and all that stuff, that's what's going to really um, um, cause the, the real dip here. And some people are going to make some a ton of money because people are going to drive into that private market. They're going to borrow two dollars $300,000 to top up the mortgage that they can't qualify for like they could have last year. And um, people are going to be lending them the money. Like, there's no shortage of money to borrow. Yeah, no. But the clause is, if you don't pay us, we take your home. And they will take your home. They will. They, they don't mess around with that. Uh, private lenders especially. I mean, private lending firms have a responsibility to their investors to make sure that they have a securitized investment. And they, that's their first responsibility is their investors. So when you ask, like, why, why stocks over – or why, why real estate over stocks, for me – is because land very seldom, if ever, goes to zero. They're not making any more of it. It's a, it's a finite yeah, amount yeah. that you have. And it's a finite inhabitable amount that we have in Canada. I mean, there's tons of land here, but 90% of our population lives within like a couple hours of the U.S. border. I'm not saying living up in Tuktoyuktuk is a bad thing. I just don't personally want to live there. Right. So... Um, the the cities that are, are close to the border are the ones where the land value is going to stay pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. um, we want to be able to go to our largest trade partner, and regardless of all the the posturing and stuff lately with with the different leaders <laughs> and not <laughs> posturing from our leader. Um, politics, <laughs> politics. Stay away from politics. Uh, not a big. Not a. No, not, stay uh, away from politics. Jeff. Um, no politics. <laughs> I'm not talking uh, <laughs> politics. Well, I mean, politics comes into it. That's the thing. Um, we have to talk about cross-border taxation. We have to talk about land values close to the U.S. All of those things actually come in and play a factor. Toronto, because we're within an hour and a half of the border, it's a great city for Americans to come up. And actually, if you look at the geography of it, we're we're more south than about a yeah, third of the U.S. that still happens when you're investing in stocks and bonds too, right? Well, okay. So, yeah, we'll go back to that. The securitization. Um, that land value going to zero is almost impossible. Yeah. Um, whereas a stock valuation can go to zero any day of the week, any time. I mean, we saw that back in 2008. What was like a trillion dollars just disappeared out of the economy within a day. A trillion dollars. I, know. I wonder who made out like a disappeared. bandit that day. Whoever was looking for it, whoever saw the signs, those are the people that, that made out like a bandit. But they didn't make out like a bandit that day. What they did was realize that the market was going on sale, collected as many bargains as they could, and waited. That's the thing. They weren't timing the market. They were waiting for it to go on sale. And when it did, they said, oh, well, I got enough of a reserve. Just like you and me would wait for, like, our favorite shoes to go on sale or something at the bay. You need a dress shirt. Really? Go buy one on sale. Weird analogy. I don't wait for shoe sales, Kirk. I'm a bit of a shoe (laughs) guy. Not going to lie. I love these loafers I'm wearing right now. Yeah, that makes one of us. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I like shoes. No, the securitization comes from the actual um, hard earth. Um, the building itself has value as well, but the hard earth is where the value is, is truly carried long term because the buildings will come and go. They'll, do, they'll, they'll diminish and, and, and rebuild and tear down, and that's what's happening in Toronto right now. That's why Toronto's like crazy. We, we looked at doing a development uh, back a few months ago 
what did they want? They wanted $22 million for four buildings, and it was like... I'm sorry, how much? $22 million. That's uh, a lot of money. For four buildings. It was a little land assembly that we put together. Uh, well, we didn't put it together. We just discovered that it had been put together, but there was one piece missing. But the properties themselves, because of the timeline that it takes to get all of the approvals and the tearing down and all those things... There's no way to to hold that money to make it work at twenty two million dollars. The interest on that alone at ten percent is is you know two point two million dollars a year. Yeah, I, I, don't, uh, I don't have that no. kind of money to spend on, no, on interest. Nope. <laughs> uh, now we should have been able to get a better rate and all those things, but but this is what's um, the land itself is what was worth the twenty two million dollars, not the buildings. The buildings were crap. Yeah, we're just gonna tear them down and build up something new. Yeah. But uh, the land itself, well, I won't say the land was worth $22 million. That's why we're not doing the project. But that's what they're asking for it. So it's crazy. And it's just the dirt that's worth that. That is crazy. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. So if I wanted to invest then in real estate, right? Everybody has a savings account or, you know, an RSP or something for retirement, right? But the way that I was raised was you use your house as your retirement fund. But now everybody's got these RSPs. Um, but we can't take those RS RSPs out to invest, per se, right? You can take them out to well, invest in your own home okay. under the first-time homebuyer's tax credit or the new homebuyer's first-time So would it be wise credit. to pull that money out then and put it into like a, a real estate investment? Well, you can't invest in something. Uh, okay, let me back this up. You can't pull it out to invest in something without losing the withholding tax. Okay. Unless you work with us. Ah, <laughs> I went quick, nudge, nudge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I'll, I'll talk about in a second. But um, the only way to pull your RRSP out without hit it, getting hit with that withholding tax is if you're living in a principal residence, you pull out the first-time home buyer's tax credit. Uh, um, basically, you can borrow that money to use as your down payment, but you have to repay it within 15 years. Mm hmm so um, that's okay. I wouldn't really consider that long term. It's an investment, but it's it's liability monthly. Yeah, I because was you thinking about that. a lady that we both met with last night and how she had some money saved away, and she wanted yeah. to get into some investments. So my mind kind of went there. So one of our clients, uh, yeah, that's that's a total different animal. So our RRSP program was born out of necessity, like all all good inventions. Yes. Um, if you wanted to pull your RRSP out right now and you're not 65 and you don't have the RSP meltdown program and all those those fancy ways of doing it um, you'll lose about 30% of your 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 RRSP to withholding tax and i i i both love and hate when people come to me like oh i got 50 grand in my RRSP and i'm like no you got 35 yeah i should have that awkward conversation with my parents the other night <laughs> oh how'd that go um, not so well because my parents were they're old school, so it's kind of hard. Yeah. But the seed was planted, so uh, I'm bringing them out on um, next Tuesday night. Next Tuesday night yeah. when I'm not here. Oh, you know what? Then in that case, maybe I'll make it the following Tuesday night <laughs> when you are here, because I want them to meet you. Yeah. No, I. I you know what? Uh, if you want me to come out and meet them, I'll I'll, I'll come out and sit with them. Yeah. Um, you know, I got no problems, but I'm sure you just want them to see the information. I want them to see the information and so much of what we do yeah. is is deprogramming other people's education, um, understanding that the economic times are different. That's that's really what it comes down to. 
I learned my money or or didn't learn my money from my mom. And well, and same way I learned it. Yeah, and and God bless her. Um, oh yeah. She learned it from her parents, and they they grew up in a very different time than my mom grew up in, and I grew up in a very different time than her or her parents grew up in. So those things that that held true at one point just don't hold true anymore. RSPs are garbage. Like, do you want to like look at the macro view of what RSPs are? They're an instrument for Canadians to lend their money to the government and the banks for a long period of time without having to worry about paying it back at any point in time. That money sitting in the bank is a long-term loan to the bank. The bank's using your money and you're not. Um, if you're loaning it out to a company and self-directing, that's great, but it's still on the bank's books. Yeah. Unless you're self-directing it outside into a trust company, the banks are using that on their books. And we have all this massive amount of debt in Canada from putting out our savings bonds, and all that's got to be paid back at some point. It's like a trillion dollars, and it's all coming out of RSP money in the next few years because the baby boomers are coming out. Yeah. Uh, they're they're going to start drawing down all that, that RSP money. So how we created our program is that um, the worst thing you can do with an RSP is die. Yeah. Uh, the government... the bank takes what? No. Close the, to 50% of it? Not the bank. Like the government. The, the government, government comes in and swoops down like a bunch of vultures and says, oh, we're going to eat ours. Unless you leave it to a spouse. Yeah. Uh, they'll take about half of it right away. And that's what happened to one of our clients. She had a, Her sister passed away and she had a $600,000 RSP and they'd taken something like $180,000 off for before she even like inherited it. And she to lose like another ninety thousand. Like it was, it was a lot of money that she was going to lose. And uh, Hashem and Craig, uh, Hashem, our accounting manager, and, and Craig, the CEO, got together and said, "Okay, we got, we got to help her. We got to figure this out." Mm-hmm. So they they figured out a way using corporate structure, real estate investment, um, taxation, billing, and RRSPs to create our RRSP tax free program. So um, you can't technically draw your RRSP out without getting the withholding tax taken away, the yeah, 30% that'll automatically hit. happen, always. Um, but you can work with us and and realize gains on that actual amount that's in your RSP. So how it works, um, let's say you got 50 grand sitting in your RSP. It's actually yep. 35. Right. When you take it out, it's 35. Yep. So take that 30%. But if you were to work with us in our passive investments, and this is this is understanding that that an active real estate investment is something you own that you have to take care of. Yes. You're changing the light bulbs, cleaning the toilets, yeah. all those, those. Basically, you're flipping things. a house. Uh, well, not necessarily kind of, right? flipping. Buy and hold. Yeah. But you're responsible for all the maintenance. You're responsible for making sure you collect the rent checks. You're responsible for making sure that you so all do the work tenant you. screenings and your lease agreements yeah. and all of those things. That's that's your job to do. When you do a passive real estate investment, that means you put your money in, you collect your money. You don't have to worry about all the rest of the stuff. So we specialize in passive, uh, non-cash flowing investments. They're equity investments, meaning that they're about growth in the property. Right. And that's really the secret. Our our CEO is a mad scientist. Um, <laughs> he's brilliant. He really is. Um, Sometimes it's difficult for me to, to get all of the concepts he's talking about. So the program was designed to help you get your RSPs out, which if you've contributed to your RSP, something watch is too big now. It's <laughs> driving me nuts. Yeah, I get it I've sized, lost a man. lot of weight. I can hear it going boom. I know boom, I lost boom, a lot of weight boom. and I talk with my hands. <laughs> but um, basically if you're contributing to your RSPs, you're you're realizing a tax deferral. When you draw it out, 
you're uh, um, getting hit with that withholding tax. But if you can get that money back, you've realized your tax deferral is now uh, um, you're actually getting a tax break. Right. And then you're drawing the money out and getting that money back. So you're getting a 30% gain right off the bat on your investment. And then you put it into one of the real estate investments that we've, we've created for this program. The way that we're able to recoup that, that loss withholding tax is through a, a system of billing and structure. So you become a joint venture partner on the project with us. Okay. We're taking care of the project. We're doing all the All I'm doing is put my money in there and you guys are doing the rest for yeah, me, Yeah, but right? because it's a joint venture structure, you get to benefit from all of the maintenance and repairs that we have to do because we, we buy underperforming properties and we bring them up to a standard. In that process, there's there's bills that need to be accounted Yeah, and do for. I got to pay those bills or? You don't, no, 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 you don't pay those bills, but you do realize the tax benefits from those bills. And that's how we recoup the cost from your withholding tax. Because you're a partner with us, you're now eligible on certain tax advantages okay. as a partner well, in this project. So would I get that full 30% back the first year? Uh, yeah, that's actually, yes, but it has to go back into the project because we're counting as the full amount from day one. Yeah, yeah, like I want to get a check for the 30% right back to me. Yeah, but that has to be and put back into the project after we do your taxes. Got you, okay. Okay, okay so I'll if it's, it's 50000 in the RRSP yes. and you've withdrawn it, there's 35000 left, that goes into the project, but we count it from day one as a full fifty. Okay. Still with me? I'm You're still with, me? with you. Yeah, still okay. with you. Good, because you need to learn this. Uh, <laughs> but at the end of the year, so we're in 2018 now, at 2019's tax time, as long as you do your taxes with us, that's the only caveat, um, we guarantee to get you that withholding tax back on your taxes next year, um, or we, we just count it as the full amount from day one. And, and that's that's the only guarantee I'm aware of in investing <laughs> other than a guaranteed income certificate, a GIC. But we haven't really gone over those percentages. No, but we haven't. But I'm liking the guarantee because my old man always told me nothing's guaranteed in this world. So this is a guarantee. This is on paper writing. and it's guaranteed. Hey, yeah. I'm all for it. It makes a Well, you know what? It's, it's a sales point for us. I'm not going to lie to be able to say the word guarantee. When I first came on board here, I hated it because everything I've been taught is no guarantees yeah, in investing, yeah. no guarantees. With my sales background, I was never told guarantee. We're not going to anything. guarantee that the project's going to be 100%. We're not going to have any problems. Our tenants will all be amazing and pay the rent. We, we can't guarantee that. But what we can guarantee is that when you put your money in, we can get you the tax back because we have a tax and accounting firm in-house. Um, or we'll erase the debt. We'll cover that money ourselves and count it as a full fifty thousand from day one because that's what we said we we're going to do. You know, it's it's pretty cool to have stuff like that. That is pretty cool. So, where are your investment properties then? Uh, we've got several in Detroit. We've got one hundred and three doors in Detroit. Uh, it's one large portfolio now. We were selling single family homes down there, but they uh, just that's got why we were talking about Detroit earlier. Too expensive. Um, there, you know, we've seen them go from twenty three thousand to buy it and reno it. Uh, to we stopped selling them at seventy three thousand US uh, just back, uh, I guess December of twenty seventeen. So we just we, we, it, they've become. Um, the market's gone up so much that we just can't we can't yeah. justify the returns on them for yeah. people, you know. Uh, then we do Owen Sound. We got some properties in Florida, and we're looking at some stuff in Costa Rica as well. Very good. Yeah. Very, very, very good. So what? I guess we kind of touched on it a little bit, but I wanted to know the difference between flipping homes and investing in homes. My grandmother, she became a millionaire by flipping homes. 
Your grandmother sounds like a pretty cool lady. And she was a very, very hardworking lady, and my grandpa worked at Tabasco, mm. and he would go home, and he would build, work on their house. They built their house from the bottom up. It's a little side split down in Aldershot. That home is now worth like um, 750000 I guess now, but oh. my grandmother flipped homes, right? And they did that when my dad was very young just to create another income for themselves. Yeah, no, that's So smart. what's the difference between like investing in a home and flipping a home then? Well, they're both investments, right? Yeah. Anything that you put your money in and you get money out more than you put in is an investment. Anything that you lose money in when you lost it. <laughs> but uh, um, they're both uh, different types of investments. They're strategies. So flipping a home is, let's say I got 50K. I'm going to uh, put down a $30,000 deposit. I got 20K to renovate this place, bring it up. I'm going to flip it within a month. That way I can get short-term financing and, and all those things. As long as the budget works out, it's great. Um, it's a solid strategy. Tough to do it in Toronto right now. Yeah. Um, the, the flips that are happening in Toronto tend to be complete teardowns and, and build up something like the McMansion. My grandma did it there. in Hamilton. Yeah, uh, and they're, they're at, at a time, it was great. Right now, yeah. it's not, and it may be again in a couple of years. Um, it's it's a little tougher now. If you want to go further out from Toronto, it's a it's a different story. You go uh, Sarnia, um, uh, Sault Ste. Marie, you might have better opportunities with places like that to do flips, but right now, it's, it's, it's a little tough to do it. And I'm not saying that nobody's doing it. I know a few people are doing it, and they're very successful at it. But you really got to uh, bird dog the places and, and really research the neighborhoods, find the right place, find the right team. Uh, they're good strategies. Um, you can make a ton of money doing it. And it's, and it's more of a short-term, constantly doing it thing. Um, I love it. Sometimes you hear people say, oh, I do a, a house a month. I flip a house a month. And most of the time, they're, they're talking about, part of their body that I'm sitting on. Uh, if you're doing if you're doing four to six flips in a year, that's a heavy, heavy year. Because your job becomes managing your professionals, right? Yeah. And managing your managers is tough. It's it's a people job like anything else. Uh, when you get to be the, the foreman of your own projects, you you're on that constantly. Um when you look at a, a buy and hold, totally different strategy. Still real estate, but it's just a different road to go down buy and hold is is to me it's it's better because you don't have to to work as hard at it you it still requires work but you can slowly acquire over time instead of like you're on a deadline you got to get your contractor your drywaller didn't show up and and you got the electrician here but uh or sorry the the electrician uh showed up but the drywaller did the drywalling first and i got all those things come in when you're doing that when you're just buying and holding you're just collecting your checks and that's where you gotta look at the cash flow strategy are you covering your bills are you covering the tmi the taxes mortgage and, and insurance every month if you are your cash flow and even if it's 100 bucks right now is it's not bad to cover you know if you're cash flow yeah, 100 no, bucks after your expenses right. it's okay i'd rather look at you know detroit we're cash flowing like 380 a month on our properties yeah, that's pretty good yeah uh for a single family home that's that's a decent amount of cash flow and those properties are paid off completely that's got nothing to do with mortgages what percentage of a return are you guys looking at down in detroit uh it depends on the, the single family homes it was it was kind of crazy um because the appreciation was so high um they've seen a 50 percent gain year over year for the last two years so those returns are astronomical uh typically on our our portfolio that we do down there the big jv portfolio with 103 doors we're looking at about 18 a year 18 percent that's pretty good. Yeah, and that's, that's Canadian, good. not U.S. So it would 
is it safe to say it's safer to invest in real estate than it would be in to like stocks, bonds? In my opinion, yes, with a few caveats. Okay. Uh, you gotta you gotta learn before you do it. There's a lot of mistakes that that you can make, and I'm not saying go spend forty thousand dollars on a course. Uh, what I'm saying is start going to meetups, start talking to people, start talking to mortgage agents, start talking to realtors, learn the area, drive the area, go there often, like at least once a week, start talking to the neighbors, like understand where you are before you commit to anything. Make sure your contracts are solid. Make sure your conditions are solid. So if you put in an offer that you've got an out, yeah. Robert Kiyosaki was always uh, famous for saying conditional on approval of my partner. But what people didn't know is that his cat was his partner. <laughs> Stupid yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> I've heard him say that. But it's it's better to go make your own mistakes. Like if you got forty k, yeah, don't go spend it on a course. Spend it on a house. Make the mistakes yourself. You have a good chance of losing the forty k. Don't get me wrong. But there's an old saying, and, and I've lived this one, that when a man with experience meets a man with money, the man with experience leaves with the money, and the man with the money leaves with the experience. It's very very true. Yeah. Yeah, it's very true. Very, very true. Well, if you guys want to come out and hear more uh, about Jeff and myself, we have a free educational night every Tuesday night at 7.30 here at Blackthorn. That's 2120, unit number 9, North Park <laughs> Drive. I say unit number 9 because when I first came to the office, I had no idea where it was. I just saw 2120, and it's like a couple doors down, and I was confused. <laughs> so unit number 9 in the uh, far left corner. Uh, the easier thing to do would be just go to paylesstaxbook.com sign up for our free ebook uh reserve your copy we're not quite done but we're damn close and uh we'll put you into our schedule of events we'll make sure that you get updated on all our podcasts all of our guests that are coming up we got some great guests lined we do. up we have some amazing Starting guests next coming week up. actually we got our first guest so yep i'm excited about that kirk as always a pleasure sitting oh. and chatting with you it's almost like we're not working eh? i know right uh. <laughs> cheers <laughs> awesome thanks for joining us today guys thank you